Welcome to episode 464 of the Pop Culture Roundtable, the podcast that's also waiting on proof of users before our $40 billion check goes through. In this episode, we talk about Beard Meets Food, Nema Sprout, and Where the Deer and Antelope Play. I'm Andrew Sale. I'm Lauren Rubin. I'm Patrick Hill. So get your 140 characters ready, because it's time to tweet out another episode. kick off every episode by going around the proverbial table, which is where we talk about things that are new, fun, and noteworthy about our weeks. Uh, I'm going to start this week, actually, because it's been a few weeks, and so the longer I wait, the longer this, the less this is relevant. So I'm going to go now, so it's the <laughs> most relevant it can be in this episode. A couple weeks ago, I got to go back to Disney, and I alluded to it last time and just kind of gave a little bit of a uh, a story on our last episode where we talked about um, our uh, our like my first time Blake uh, buttons or whatever, um, which was fun. But I do want to talk about a couple other things uh, about uh, about the trip. So going back to to Disney post um, mask mandate was really exciting. Like it was, it was nice to to be back. Most of the ride stuff for anybody who's looking to make a trip to Disney. Uh, most of the ride stuff, uh, at least in Florida, the barricades and the extra um, like plastic uh, holders and lots of the weird kind of uh, finagled uh, queue stuff has been taken down. There's a handful of things that remain, and I don't know if that's uh, just because they haven't gotten around to taking them down yet or if there's some uh, some intentionality on, on the, some of the stuff that stays. But it's mostly back to what you expected um, pre-pandemic, which was awesome. I know there was a lot of complaints about um, pandemic Disney feeling you know less magical, um, and uh, I think a lot of that stuff has been, um, has been just been taken care of been taken care of and it it feels like there's a bit of a return to the normalcy when it comes to that one of those things is the return of character meet and greets where you're not social distanced anymore so uh for a long time they did away with the character meet and greets and then they brought them back but you had to be like 10 feet away behind a rope or they were up on a stage and you were down on the ground and it just was very impersonal last time i went Mm -hmm. uh, i got my picture with mickey i didn't even post because it just felt it was weird. Like there, it, it just felt very. It wasn't fun for you. Ho- yeah, it was hollow. It felt very much. Uh, it it was honestly sadder than not seeing Mickey at all. Um, yeah, <laughs> which was which is which is weird. So um, shortly after the uh, they they brought back the character meet and greet stuff. Um, that's when I booked my ticket because I knew like, hey, I need to. Like now that I can hug Mickey again, that's that's what I want to do. And I did, and it was magical, and it was so fun. And uh, I posted that picture. But there was there was uh, two other instances that I wanted to communicate. One is uh, that I, uh, I I wrote a letter to Santa. So as a follow up, if you if you saw my my Instagram um, post a couple weeks ago. Uh, as a follow-up to a story I told on the podcast a little bit ago when I was at Disney in December, and he, uh, in the cavalcade, Santa said, uh, oh, you look bigger this year. And <laughs> I just... By yelled, the way, not not realizing that Andrew had, in fact, gained a lot of weight. Oh, yeah, that I had indeed, since the last time I had been to Disney, I had gained a lot of weight. It was a really <laughs> tough year. Um, and so I yelled, F you, Santa, <laughs> as he drove past uh to the 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 more letter version i'm guessing yes the the full the full lettered version okay okay, um and uh to the delight and uh amusement of all the children around me uh, i yelled f you santa you don't look so great either um and uh so this year when we when we went to magic kingdom i um there's a there's a little um or this this past week when we went to magic kingdom there's a a a christmas store where you can write they have pre-made letters to santa that you can write your own stuff and then you fold it and on has an envelope where you put your address and he will write you back like that's kind of the thing and there's this mailbox that you mail your letter to santa in this little uh, christmas shop and so i did i told santa what i thought 
Um, and uh, you can go read what I what I wrote. But it was so fun. It felt like such a, a nice uh, bookend to the conversation from six months ago when I encountered Santa. And hopefully he'll write back because uh, I put my... Are you concerned this might get you on the naughty list? He did I... threaten Miss Claus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's just say if, if being on the nice list is indicative of how many gifts you get, I've not been on the nice list for a very long time. So I think okay. I think I'm probably all right. Uh I guess we'll find out <laughs> this year. But I'm hoping they I, I'm legitimately hoping that I do get a write back. Um and uh and I don't I don't know what it would say, but like I would love to see this this thing come to fruition. Um super excited about that. And then the other thing was um I, I told you guys last time that I had some really amazing cast member magic, like some truly like fantastic cast member magic um and part of that was centered around the food i had so much good food when i was there i don't think i ate other than so i, I did go to gideon's and got their special so here's the here's my newest gideon's pin Let's see if i can get it to show up do they it, rotate those out pretty often yeah they do nice. new ones pretty regularly come on focus I don't know why, but it's, it's like focusing. it looks like a big bat, it's really not right? It's a gar yeah. it's a gargoyle. It's their logo. Oh, kind of like a different color version of the. It is. This one came out before, with yeah. with uh. This one came out with their St. Patrick's Day. I don't know why it won't focus, but it's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's it's this antique pretty colors. Yeah, it's this antique copper, and then it's like three tones of green. Um, that kind of shade down its wings and yes. then through the gargoyle body. Yeah, and it's on the G on this like badge. Yeah, I don't know why it won't focus. That's really annoying. But can you see the the packaging? How it's actually got the gold foil. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it so looks really nice. It looks slick. Yeah, yeah it and great. it's got this Celtic knot behind it, and uh, it's this really nice card. And on the back, um, it's talking about it's. Uh, here, what does it say? I can't get the backers off. The backers cool though. It's the green. It's like a green backer, which that. is nice. So it's not just. Uh, so, so it says the key to unlocking the secrets of our mystical cookie kingdom, and it gives you this like one like a all seeing key. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. It's beautiful, and the packaging is like a a really rich kind of um, Celtic green with gold like gold knots on it. It's really neat. So um, I went to I went to um, Gideon's, but that's about the only place that I went to that was a duplicate of what I normally would eat when I go to Disney. I ate all new things. Um, oh, nice. And one of the things that I got at Gideon's was uh, we got there um, between two and three. And if you go to Gideon's between two and three every day, they are now doing cookie hour, which is like happy hour, but for cookies. And they give you a fresh baked, like right out of the oven chocolate chip cookie with a nice. scoop of um, local uh, vanilla ice cream on top of it. Um, they don't serve ice cream any other time. It's just cookies. And this is straight from the oven. And then they put the, the thing on it. Oh, my gosh. This is so good. <laughs> I, I don't even know how to tell you how good it was. Um, it, hold on. Here's what's happening. I, I, this is getting too far away, and I need to say this. Here's what I would love. I would love if Gideon, uh, Mr. Gideon, released a pin. And that pin had something like you see on the back. Like, this is the key to our blah, 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 whatever. Okay. But you need to have an object in the store that has a lock. And the first person that try, that cuts that out and tries to stick that key in the lock gets something. But, like, you don't advertise that that's a thing. It, it's, like, the same level of boldness as the guy on Survivor trying to take the idol off of, like, Jeff's stand. Yeah. Like, that's what needs to happen and the wow. first person that does that, here's Gideon's for a year. So they are doing some secret things that are kind of like that. So that doesn't sound like it's maybe out of the realm of possibility because they have a secret menu now that uh, nice. if you're following uh, either on their Instagram or you get their emails or whatever, um, they have a special menu item that only you know about. You have to ask for it specifically. They won't advertise it. They won't show it like in the shop. You can't just walk up and go, oh, I want this. You have to ask for it. Um, so they have that, and they also have these new things that they just came out with. It's their trading cards. So just like all of their all of their flavors each month, all their specialty flavors, um, uh, which the specialty one that I had this time was uh, peanut butter, um, peanut butter and chocolate swirl. I think is what it was. And the piece of cake that we had was a peanut butter and jelly cake. It was freaking amazing it was peanut butter buttercream um all the frosting and then actual jelly in like these little pockets inside the cake and it was a white oh my gosh it was amazing but 
Um, there, <laughs> each one of these, each one of these um, themed items has its own character. They have like the artist does all of like the mascots for each of these things. They've started doing trading cards. Um, and I think he said that there's like cool. 19 of them right now and they're random. If you buy certain items, you get trading cards with them. Um, I, when I was there, I got the halfway to Halloween trading card, which was an exclusive just for that week because we were there for the halfway to Halloween mark. Um, but, uh, now there's a whole new reason to go to buy these, you know, half pound cookies. Um, because <laughs> now there's a collector side of me that's like, oh, besides the pins, now I need to get these trading cards. So, um, it's absolutely, so absolutely incredible. Um, so had great experiences with food the entire time. So I also had Amare, uh, which is a Mediterranean style restaurant in, uh, the newly opened uh, Swan Reserve Hotel on on property, and that food was amazing. They make their own fresh grilled pita, and they have these dips that you can dip them in. Oh my gosh, it's incredible! This is a food theme. It's called Amare. It's the it's a restaurant in the hotel, and it's beautiful. And, and then all this is one thing, right? All of what is one thing. Disney food. That's the category. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm leading up to our, our pinnacle cast member moment. Yeah. So this is the wall. One thing. This is all my Disney trip. Um, we were at the, uh, at Epcot for the flower and garden festival, right? That's kind of how our day ended. And at the flower and garden festival, they have all these like little, you know, food pockets all the way around the world. We had seen on um, like the Disney parks blog or someone's Instagram page that there was a pretzel bread a German pretzel bread pudding um, with this like caramel drizzle, like vanilla drizzle. We went all around in Germany trying to find this thing at all of their their little spots, like at all their little pop-up spots for the the festival, um, only to find out that it wasn't at any of those spots. And we decided, well, let's just go ask if it's at the main restaurant, which is like the big, in the big like town square of Germany in in the World Showcase. Walked up to him and said, are you guys, do you guys know where we can get the pretzel bread pudding? And they said, oh, actually, this is where they said that we, they have it here. We have it here. I said, oh, great. And she said, but we just closed like a few minutes ago. We're like, no, 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 no. Like yeah. we, this, we've been in pursuit of this. Well, one of the head chefs was walking past at that moment because they were getting ready to, to shut everything down, I guess. That's why he was walking around. Mm-hmm. And he walked over and he said, hey, what's going on, guys? Um, and they said, they're here for the they're here for the bread pudding, but we just closed. And he said, oh, did you guys see it like on the, the parks blog? And we were like, yeah. And he was like, hang on just a second. And he talks into his microphone, his little like headset thing. And then he sends one of the people up front. He says, hey, go grab them one. And so they ran to the back and they brought Aww. one out fresh for us. And he's like, just don't tell anybody. He's like, hey. And he talked to us about how it's been so popular and how how great it is and all these things. Um told us what it was made from and everything. And so he gave us for free, totally bypassed the line, didn't have to pay for it, gave us this pretzel bread pudding, which was absolutely insanely good. So if you get an opportunity to go to Epcot, get the pretzel bread pudding, um, I promise you, you will not not be uh, disappointed. So had several incredible, between that and then the, the buttons earlier in the day, had several magical cast member moments. And... For all of those people who I've I've read recently who are just like Disney's lost all the magic, they're all the all it is is a money grab, all these things. There are some areas in which, yes, I, I can agree with you. Um, we didn't buy, we didn't buy um Genie Plus. We just went along with the flow for the day because we weren't necessarily concerned with doing I rode Re, uh, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, which was super fun and oh, cute. I'm dying to ride that um, one. <laughs> uh, but other than that, like we just went with the flow and were able to eat. Whenever we wanted to eat, we found seats. Whenever we wanted to find seats, we we felt we didn't feel rushed. We didn't feel like you know, paraded around or or like cattle being herded. Like it was it was a very enjoyable day. And two cast members made an absolute fantastic uh, moment at the beginning of the day and at the very end of the day. So for all those haters that are happening with Disney, maybe the problem is you. That's all I'm gonna say. Maybe the problem is you aren't coming into it with a magical heart. <laughs> Because I went into it with a magical <laughs> heart and I had a good experience. Um, and on that note, before Patrick disagrees with me, I'm going to hand it over to Lauren. Patrick is incapable of having a magical it's, heart. No, no, no. That's it's why not, he's making that face. It's not disagreement, but I, I think it's very important to note that the thing that Disney has done uh, the best with, in my opinion, is the amount of people that have that type of story. Of I was just walking through a park the park and someone gave me 
uh, like uh, a, a fast, a random fast pass, or this was closed, but they still came and brought it to me, or someone called me out for this. It's those type of stories. Now, the issue is that if uh, corporate fails to pay people well or shuffles people around too much or clamps down on stuff, those things will go away, and then it will truly be gone. So the reality is there are a lot of things happening that are very anti-magical. Thankfully, we're still getting that magic from the cast members themselves. I, I'm not. The ta- I'm not giving is a- those external pressures don't extinguish that yeah, as well. I, I'm not yeah. giving a. Mm-hmm. I'm not giving a my views on how I think the company's being run. That's a different story. I'm talking about yeah. in park experience. Yeah, I've been yeah. hearing a lot of of grumbles about the the in park experience not being what it should be or what it used to be. It's not what it used to be in, in some regards, but in some ways that's better in, in my opinion. Um, but it was absolutely magical and I had nothing but yeah. uh, great things to say about my, my experience post I hope that that continues. Like yeah. I, I hope the, the cast member freedom and desire to do those things continues because it, it truly is as someone that never went until their early thirties and who probably doesn't even have a heart like I like biologically, I don't know that I was born with one. Yeah, I think you. It's like yeah. the Grinch. It's just like too small and everything. No, it just yeah. his. It just bypasses through his colon. <laughs> like that's he doesn't. Yeah. It's just his colon throbs enough more, to pump the blood. Yeah. I have more shit yeah. where a heart should be, and uh, <laughs> but but still, like I, I still felt that from people like the first time I went. So ho- hopefully, if nothing else, that that persists. So anyway, yeah. Lauren, go experience. ahead. All right, Lauren. Well. I'll tell you how it is on the California side uh, after next week because that's one of the things I'll be doing. Uh, so, yeah, I've been getting ready to go to California uh, for Star Wars Celebration, which I've been kind of mentioning in the background, but it's happening very soon. Uh, going a little early to, like, hang out in L.A. We have so many things planned, but I'm really excited. Uh, I'll be there with Kate, and hopefully we'll see Jedi and get to do a bunch of other fun things. I am very excited. Uh, I'll talk more about that when I get back, though, because that's that's – coming up you know uh but this week before i leave we have drawing board which is very important to know um thursday at seven o'clock central time we will be on twitch doing drawing board with doc reed and it's going to be awesome we're going to be making uh soda pens so it's kind of like a more crafty version of drawing board we're actually going to yes. make something i've never actually made these before or done this so i'm excited to like learn how to do it myself um i think it's going to be really cool so uh, again, seven o'clock this Thursday, the nineteenth, I believe, is the correct. It day. is the nineteenth. Uh, do you need? What do you, you need to, to do it? Um, you need a clean soda can, so like not one that is full of soda, empty and like preferably rinsed out, so it's not sticky. Um, I think you need an exacto knife, and you need like um, an old paintbrush that you can like take apart, basically. Okay. So that's that's probably what like thirty dollars. <laughs> at least $30 <laughs> between three and $30. <laughs> the point is it's cheap. You can afford to do this. What does, yeah, uh, I don't what think does you actually cost need um, like an actual paintbrush. It could be like a chopstick or something. So for my one thing around the table, I think uh, I'm going to circle back to Moon Knight because we've like almost talked about this like three times and I feel like it is worthy of at least like a five minute discussion because <laughs> we spent like hours talking about Doctor Strange. So I feel like that would be fair. Um, so yeah, Moon Knight ended a couple weeks ago. I feel like we can, I, I don't think we'll need to talk major spoilers, but like, uh, we might go there. Let's see. Uh, but have you both finished it? Andrew, I know you have, but Patrick, are you even watching the MCU shows anymore? No, I no. got really busy right. with other things like not watching the shows. <laughs> so I'm just, that's what he's, I'm doing. He's, he's going well, to rewatch. So much he's going to rewatch right now. Uh, like it's crazy. Love is yeah. blind Japan before he'll watch Moon Knight. The first time. <laughs> I loved it. That's okay. I, loved it. I, I liked most of it. I feel like I got more and more excited like up through the fifth episode and I did not like the finale episode very much. I felt like that was kind of a letdown. Like so much stuff happened so quickly that I just didn't feel like it. Um, it felt really, really rushed all of a sudden at the end when everything else had been kind of taking its time. And I, I think, it, I don't know why like they decide on the episode numbers that they do at this point. I'm like, it could have use maybe one or two more episodes to like not have to, you know, scramble through this ending where like there were three different fights happening at the same time and it was hard to follow everything that happened. But I I loved Oscar Isaac's performance. I think that alone is like worth watching. I would 
far from say this show is like not worth watching. It was though my least favorite of the MCU TV shows. Oh, I think, that's so interesting. Far. I, you but like it's, this it's tough less because it's like I I like like Loki. It was like one of my favorite shows of last year. So like that would but be Falcon really and high. Winter like Soldier, one, maybe just a little bit. Oh, yeah, like for me no. because of the ending. Because of the ending, like I thought that like Falcon Winter Soldier had a better like complete story within their timeline versus this one. And it's not and it, it's not like by a huge margin. It was just like if I had to pick, I had to pick. Did do you think that? Um, do you think that? I don't think any Disney Plus original shows have been nominated for acting in the Emmys, but do you think that uh, Oscar Isaac's performance is worthy of an of an Emmy wow. nomination? Uh, that's a good question. Because I, I would, kind of I would think say about yes. what he's up against. Because like of anything in that show that is like the highlight, that is a hundred percent it. You know, like I think that is like the thing I would tell people to watch it for is just like his performance of all of this. And I think it will be interesting if, like, the more we get to see, like, how layered this was, because there's so many, like, uh, there's, like, a couple layers of the onion that we got at the very end that we don't know exactly how, like, uh, affect the rest of the story as much, you know? Uh, I'm trying to be, like, vague, but, um, yeah, I think it will be, like, interesting going forward. And I'm also really curious to see, like, how he'll interact with other superheroes. But, like, sorry, I'm getting off track. It's hard to say because I feel like the Emmy list is very stacked this year because a lot of shows like finished up like you know like ozark really put in like a hard play for an emmy you know like a lot of shows are doing that right now so i'm like i don't know if i could beat enough things to get that like coveted spot but it'd be really high up on my list i, I think i have to kind of one of my favorite about things more. about the show is that multiple times i had to be reminded that he was acting with himself he felt yeah. like two actors playing a scene together for as many scenes as are just him acting yeah. against himself, like that's yeah, I think that's that's actually a good point. Like, I definitely think like it, if he was nominated, I would not be mad about it. Like, yeah. like for sure I, at all. Like, I, I, I think, hope I hope he is in the same way that I felt like Tom Holland deserved uh, an Oscar nod for for his his role as Peter Parker in this past Spider Man because he showed so much range and he was he he. He surpassed the superhero tropian actor. Like he became an actor actor. And I feel the same thing is true for for Oscar Isaac. It felt like he was an actor actor doing a superhero show. But even that, it wasn't a superhero show. It was more of a uh like a psychological um like a psychological thriller that just so happens to have a superhero costume like that's kind of how i feel about the show yeah yeah and i i think and and this is maybe like a little personal bias like i think legion did a lot of the things that this show did a little bit better and so like because i love that show and i've watched it not very long ago i just kind of had some of that stuff in my head already and it's like i it's it's far from saying it's like copied it at all but like they have like like the whole first season is like him in a psych ward so like that fifth episode really had uh my like you know, familiar bells ringing, sure. but I, like, that's a great show as well. So it's just like, I think it's all good. Like, I think Moon Knight was pretty fascinating. It is like interesting how apart it is from other MCU things. So I'm very curious how it will tie in in the future because like, that's not really what Marvel does. So like, will this exist more in its own, <laughs> even in the same universe as everybody else? Who knows? But we'll yeah. find out eventually. Yeah. Uh, if you had to rate it, though, you you say this is your least favorite of all the MCU shows, even if it only just slightly got beat out by Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, that would be my my vote. Okay, all right. Where would you put it in the in the uh, ranking on the MCU shows? I think I'm gonna go Loki, uh, and then I'm gonna go. What are all the shows? <laughs> Loki, Wandavision. Oh, I forgot Hawkeye too. Yeah, Haw Loki, I think I go Hawkeye, Loki, Hawkeye, um, Wandavision. Uh, Falcon Moon, and Winter Soldier, Moon Knight, and then and then this Moon Knight, Moon Knight, okay, Wandavision, Falcon and Winter Soldier. That's that's my order. Yeah, I think this lands like yeah. like perfectly in the middle of all of those. So, yeah, I really liked Wandavision, so that one's much higher on my list. <laughs> yeah. I, I I liked Wandavision in in the total picture of the, what the what it what it means for the MCU and what you need it for but in terms of an actual standalone show on its own I don't like it as much because it 
there was a lot where, yeah. Anyway, we don't have to talk about WandaVision. Yeah, I was like, again, yeah, so. agree to disagree. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't think any of these shows are bad or unwatchable. It's just like, you know, they're all pretty good. It's like Pixar movies. It's like I'm ranking this against all pretty good right. things. So yeah, it's you're not, talking I'm about the difference between grade. an A plus and like a B minus. Like they're yeah, all yeah, passing grades exactly. and you'd be happy with all of them. And your parents aren't going to give you shit about it at Thanksgiving if you come home with a re re report card with any of it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Moon Knight was a good time. <laughs> Patrick, it's your turn. Okay, everybody, jumping in real quick for my one thing, and my one thing is going to be the alphabet. And for every letter, I'm going to give a different thing that corresponds to all the letters of the alphabet. That's right so in line with our rules. And then we're going to have to repeat it back. Yeah, <laughs> at least as long as these people did. Um, okay, talking about extreme escape. Uh, in San Antonio specifically, I don't know if they have lo locations other places, but they do have two locations in S San Antonio off the loop. I think both are off the loop on different sides of it. That's fine. But we actually went into an escape room um, this week. Then the specific one we did is called The Lost Tomb. On their website, they give this five out of five locks. They don't explain the lock rating system. I'm <laughs> assuming that means it's difficult to get out of because, again, no explanation on the lock rating system. Uh, but they say it's a difficult escape room to do. But excited to do it. Uh, got ready by watching uh, Mark Rober's tip video for how to do escape rooms. And for those that haven't seen it, uh, very, very helpful information, in including things like bring all the puzzles to one place. Uh, sort them by what you think, you know, by like items. As you solve something, move it to a different pile. Stuff like that. There's more. There's like 10 tips. I just gave you three. Haven't you done escape rooms before, though? We have, but you're never you're never too experienced to I'm learn. Just, okay. So, um, studied, prepped, got ready, went into this escape room, and I was ready. Like I, mm -hmm. I was so excited to set the record. I knew that was going to happen uh, in this new room. And we and let me start by saying we got out. That's important to say. We, we did escaped. finish this room. We finished this room in like twelve minutes left, I think, uh, fourteen minutes left, something like that. We fully got out. Yeah. Okay. So so we did that. Um, I really disliked this escape room experience. Oh no. Um, unfortunately. So th this is what bothered me about it, and this is the re and so the whole point of this is to let you know to specifically not do the lost tomb at extreme escape, and this is cast doubt on the quality of all of the escape rooms that they offer, other than the fact that Andrew has assured me that he's done one there before that's really good. The, th the things, yeah, the things that you're going to point out, though, are not... You are also going to give the good sides of it, too, I'm assuming, right? Yes. Okay. I, if I could think of any. Okay, I'm just kidding. No, we'll give good sides. We'll give yeah. good sides. Here's the first thing that was very frustrating. Too much of the room, in my opinion, relied on chance. So, for instance, it's this idea of we'll give you three of the four pieces and you just have to randomly swap things out in that fourth position till it works. There were probably three different puzzles in the room that genuinely did not give you all the information, but just relied, you, relied on you just taking time to guess, uh, which to me is an annoying mechanic. I mean, yeah. I want to be able to logic something through from start to finish. The excitement to me is being able to figure out all of the pieces. So to just get left with... Ah, just trial and error. Just brute force it for a bit. To me, that's a lazy way and a cheap way out. Um, the other thing is it was broken into like three different rooms and a fourth area, which is nice. Uh, but the rooms had a very few amount of puzzles. So I, I like rooms that have a lot of red herrings. I like rooms that have a lot of trinkets. That stuff's exciting. And it, it, it uh, gives you more to think about, even if it's throwing you off the trail. Everything in the room... That you encountered was was needed. And minus, so from that minus one item. Yeah, and so from that standpoint, not having any red herrings, again, is taking away part of the difficulty of the task. Additionally, when they did their, their pre-briefing uh, before you go and do the room, there was one part where he's like, oh, and in the, in the third room you get into, there's going to be sand. There's a clue in... Like, he's telling us where clues are. That was so annoying to yes. me. Again, I wanted him to just uh, shut up. It's fine to say, yeah. don't throw sand on the floor. We can stop there. Don't tell us that there's a clue buried in the sand. That's, again, part of the experience that we get to figure out. Can I, um, can I tell you why I think he did it? Can I tell you why I think? Because I, I thought sure. a lot about this. 
I think he did it because this is a room that's designed for ten, up to 10 people, and there were only four of us. I think he thought we needed the help, which is why he he was giving us as much help. He's like, there's actually three rooms. Like, he told us all of this before it started, and I was annoyed. And look, looking back on it, that's the only reason I can assume he gave that information was as a nice little tip before so we didn't have to use all of our clues and then just be lost in there. Yeah. I think he just, I don't think he had high enough regard for our ability to actually solve these puzzles. The only way you would not get out of this room is if you brought 10 people, because that is way too small of a space for 10 people <laughs> to try to move around. Uh, the, and here's the other thing that drove me crazy. Uh, and now part of it is I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the decor of just fake stone. It doesn't like do a lot for me in my body. Um, I like I prefer things that are set in a in a bit of more of a time period that I understand and have again a bit more like trinkets and relics and things like that. When you're dealing with a, a, a catacomb or a, or a temple, then it's like stone and, and brush, and that's just yeah. not very visually fun. But what drove me crazy is every room was dark, and there was some type of flashing light for the entire time. It was 45 minutes of dark. Can't quite make out what you're looking at, but there's a light flashing every now and then. And and frankly, like I ended up feeling sick during the room. It could have been my uh my the fact my um appendix needs to come out. But I think <laughs> oh. it was because of the environment. It just made it, anyway, it ended up being a very frustrating experience. And then to cap it all off, $35 a person. We get done, we escape, we walk outside, they say they'll take our picture, and then they wanted $8 for the photo that they took of us. $8. I don't know what it costs at Six Flags. I don't know what it costs these other places. I don't think it costs $8. I could be wrong about this, but that's an incredible amount of money for a San Antonio escape room. Were you getting the digital picture or were you getting it printed? $35 $35 a person. We didn't get that far because as soon as he said he was charging us, we're like, nope. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I think it was just yeah. an email it, digital to whoever it like, you, signed up. We were here. It took you 30 seconds to snap and put that background on that photo. That's not $8 worth of work. <laughs> like, no, 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 no way. No, we're good. I, I was. Especially if you already paid $35 a person, like, just give me a freaking picture. Yeah. This is the reason Mackenzie doesn't do our finances. She just said, I didn't think $8 was that much. (laughs) It was robbery, Mackenzie. It was insane. I will will say this, though, Patrick, as a counterpoint. If the stonework did look really good, like we've been in some bad, like badly themed uh, escape rooms before. The stonework was really good. And I thought the lighting was actually really good for what it was. It it lit up the stonework so that it had like these reds and orange hues, very ambery. And yes, there were these moments where it strobed. Um, in certain parts of it. But the part I don't think you mentioned, which I think is what is super nice about this, there's a lot of automated components that were mechanical where like blocks would slide back into the wall and doors would open. Like that's yeah, and that's next level for- in fairness. And all of it worked. And so that's next level for escape rooms. I've done my fair, I think I've probably done close to 20 escape rooms. And most of them are very manual in nature. A handful of them have like these mechanical things, but this one was very, as far as the technology was concerned, very nice and very seamless for all for all of those pieces. So that was really 100% nice. One hundred percent agree on that point. In fairness, if we encounter something that has to be positioned a certain way, or this is going to trigger something. It feels like eight out of ten times, which I guess I could reduce to four out of five. Uh, four out of five times in an escape room, it does not work. Like the amount of times of, oh, that was misaligned or, oh, we'll just open it for you. That should have triggered. The amount of times that happens is crazy. So to their credit, everything worked the way it should have. Yes, I and all that was good. But the actual act of figuring out the puzzles was very annoying. And there wasn't a lot of variety of puzzles. That's the last yeah. thing we didn't say. Yeah. I, I wanted um, – I like a high amount of variety. I want there to be, uh, uh, like, words hidden in this phrases. And I want to have, like, a Morse code puzzle. And I want to have, like, some a math, math thing, puzzle. And I, yeah. I want to have, like, hidden markings. And I need black lights. Like, I want all of the things. I want four different types of locks that all function slightly differently. Uh, it just didn't have that. Yeah. And so that's the, I think we opened one key. Literally. Maybe two. Uh, literally one key and one we had key. one code. That was it. 
for 45 minutes. And that's that's not what you want from an escape room, especially when they advertise it's a five-lock escape room on the website. We're doing this on two locks. Well, it's on two locks. Well, maybe each lock icon is representative of half of an actual lock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a, a, a locked state and an unlocked state. Yeah. Um, so anyway, go. unfortunately, not a good escape room experience. It was a good experience because the people I went with, I love the people I went with. Uh, we would do something very different next time. I would much rather go back and get uh, locked in jail again with those hoods over my head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that we did at the other escape room. That was that rad. one was rad. Yeah. But that's it for me. Okay. Cool. Well, if that's it for this episode, then you are only listening to half of it because that's just here around the table. <laughs> uh, up next, let's talk about some categories. Every week we talk about our categories, which are the categories we rolled the week before on our dice. We pick those topics based on those categories, and that's what we talk about. And so this week, uh, we actually are pulling from our dice from a few weeks ago. Because uh, last week, if you didn't join us, we did uh, B- Patrick's birthday board game extravaganza, and it was fun. Yes. Like, yeah, uh, it was awesome. A handful of us played a, a game together, and, and it was great. I think I came in last, the second round. Yeah, happy birthday. <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, but this week, we're back at it with our master category. So, Patrick, in lieu of you doing terribly, because I think I won a game last week and Lauren won a game, so this is your chance to win by going first with your master category. I want to share this says in lieu, but you're just sitting in a toilet. Um, okay, so <laughs> beer. I got a 20, which means I can talk about whatever I want to talk about. Uh, and that said, I decided to bring something of basically zero substance this week, which is just to inform you about a YouTuber I'm watching a lot of. And this is also because we're pushing for brevity, as you can tell this episode. Uh, and that's Mr. Beard Meets Food. His actual name is Adam Moran, but he goes by Beard Meets Food. And this isn't meats like introduction. This is meats like uh, flesh, just to clarify. Uh, he's actually you the eleventh. Like any word, and that was what you chose. Flesh is the the word you came. <laughs> Flesh out. is fine. That's an acceptable okay. word. Okay. So uh, this is this is the what he does. So Adam Moran, or I'm sorry, Beard Meets Food is the number eleventh, I believe, number twelfth ranked eater in the world right now. Um, and it, it, you'll see him pop up at uh, at all the the kind of things you like Coney Island, like Nathan's uh, hot dog eating. You'll see him pop up at those type of things. Uh, but what he does is he actually has a series where he travels around um, and he just does uh, eating competitions. And he posts very regularly on YouTube, by the way. I mean, uh, t- I think this week alone I've seen three videos pop up or this past week. So he's posting very regularly. And he goes and he does uh, food challenges. Not just – so he's he's based in uh, England, I believe. But it's not just in England or the UK. He also uh, last month actually came to Atlanta, Georgia – and he spent, uh, I think, a week only uh, eating and doing food competitions around Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I am from Georgia, just south of Atlanta. So it was fun watching him drive on the roads I've driven on, going to the cities that I go to and doing these competitions while you have the added character of basically my family members talking to him. Uh, yeah. And it, it adds a <laughs> lot of colorful commentary because of that. Now, here's the thing that I find fascinating about him he's a personal trainer and he is incredibly fit i mean he Uh, weighs like a buck 50 and what he does is whenever he eats um he only i believe he only eats one meal a day and uh, you know if he's doing a competition day it's the competition meal and he might eat four thousand calories or eight thousand calories or something in a sitting but he'll actually run off that same level of deficit for the rest of his week with his workouts and everything else. So he's never over the course of a week, he's not exceeding the caloric intake he sets for himself. So yeah. he manages to stay. I don't know if you ever watched. Uh, he looks to like watch M me. squared. Honestly, he looks like Mark. Yes. <laughs> he, he like the dude is, he doesn't have his shirt on. He's ripped. Uh, if you ever watched like, uh, if you ever watched man versus food that came on uh, food network, I remember um, watching over the course of several seasons, this dude just get more and more bloated and sweaty and greasy looking like it was rough. Uh, there are some other eaters that um, they try to prevent this by what they'll do is they'll eat for like nine months of the year and then they'll work out for three months of the year. That That's a, a, a that's something Randy Santel does. That's how he keeps it in check. But beard meets food. He goes at it 
all year round, but he just one meal a day. He works, he works out every day and he runs a caloric deficit. So that way he can maintain his figure. And again, he's still a personal trainer. It is wild to me, especially when you see the things he can eat. It is mind blowing to me that any human being can get this food down in the amount of time. But more than that, because there's there's several very talented eaters that are on YouTube and posting that content. He's just an enjoyable guy to listen to. The way he structures his video is that he does a quick cut kind of like time lapse of the competition. And then he just narrates on top of it, explaining what he's thinking, explaining strategy, or just talking about the people he was meeting or being in that area. And he's just a very pleasant person to listen to. So next time you're on your lunch break, uh, maybe you know, eat something and watch him eat something. Listen to him tell some stories. If you need a place to start, start with the Atlanta episodes. Add a little colorful characters in. But that's Beard Meets Food on YouTube. Post constantly. Very, very enjoyable guy to watch. I'm seeing his McDonald's challenges. Makes me super want McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get hungry watching them usually? No, there's a... Early on, before he starts eating, <laughs> there's oh. a point in where... <laughs> like the description part, you're like, oh, it sounds great. And then you watch it and you're like, lost yeah. my appetite. <laughs> there's, a, there's a point in every one where, where you won't be very hungry, uh, potentially. That's hilarious. What I, what I find hilarious about him is he hates mushrooms to the point that, like, they almost make him want to gag if he eats them. And because of where he lives, he does a lot of, like, uh, full English breakfast challenges. And those always have mushrooms. That's a big component. Yeah. And so he did one that had, like two pounds of mushrooms on the side <laughs> and he's and he hates them he always saves them oh, for less love that, but yeah. and just watching him struggle through mushrooms is is for some reason fully enjoyable i love it that's funny yeah this guy's eating One a, time? a pizza the size of rhode island so <laughs> <laughs> one time like at a roller derby fundraiser they had a hot dog eating contest and like little did we know that this dude had like drove in from like two hours away to do it which i guess he thought that was like a real prize there was not it was like you win this like spray painted trophy that we made as a joke and like <laughs> i like they needed people to sign up so they're like will you do it it's like five bucks i'm like yeah sure whatever so i sit down and i'm literally across from this guy and like the they say go and like i take one bite and in the time i have done that he's eaten three hot dogs so i just stopped and watched him the rest of the time <laughs> <laughs> you paid five dollars for a front row seat to watch him yeah or, yeah exactly lauren you, he does a game of thrones eating challenge so you maybe you start oh there. You that's start the one there. that i gotta watch yeah for sure yeah uh <laughs> very very fun the, very fun to watch the cool thing is two things uh and then i'll, I'll one of you can take it um First is that uh, most people don't know who he is when he shows up. And so because of that, it's just a bunch of people saying like, ah, you're not going to get through this. So that's all. It's always fun that. to see that change. Now, the second fact, which is kind of unfortunate, is when people do look up who he is, they tend to like it's possible to happen. Sometimes they augment the challenge. They add more food to try to keep him from winning. So oh, mean. there are some that's episodes cheating. that get a bit passive aggressive because he shows up having planned, having looked at the website and their socials and seen what's there. And then what he sits down to is not <laughs> what he's expecting. Uh, and so that that leads to some fun uh, kind of aggressive conversations to watch as well. Has he uh, again, have you ever seen an episode where he hasn't completed the competition? Like where he hasn't? So there's one that is a uh, hard rock. It's the Hard Rock Hotel in, uh, is it one in Florida or? Tampa or Orlando? I see, I feel like it's one in Florida. I think it is one of those. Okay. I, I want to say it's one of those, but it's, it's a Hard Rock Hotel. And they have this big like cake eating, like cake and ice cream, like I think uh, is a big component of it. But for some reason it also has fries on it. So maybe it's a combination like burger, cake type challenge it's called the, i think it's called the kitchen sink challenge if i remember right okay um so i think it's the kitchen uh, sink challenge and literally like in the social media posts it's like like a small bowl or a saucer of fries and when he shows up they hand him a colander of fries that's one of the ones where he was like what are you doing this isn't like this isn't matching up fair. with what's here yeah. yeah um so that's one of the ones he he failed but like he he un, like knows himself so well then when he sits down, he knows if he's going to succeed or fail, basically. Like, in that moment, he basically said, well, I'm not going to get through this, but as much as I can. You know, like, he, it's, that's interesting. He, um... Yeah, still try. That's part of the thing. Like, if he won yeah. every time, that would be boring. He fails incredibly rarely. 
which is oh. which is wild. Yeah, incredibly rarely that he fails. Well, I'm excited wow. to watch this man eat vicariously. I'm going to watch him it's vicariously. Wildly enjoy. It's wildly enjoyable to do. Okay, so that's it for me. Uh, Lauren, why don't you go? Okay, cool. Uh, so I'm gonna. I got art and I got uh, a four. So it's anything I want uh, or like any time I want. So I just picked an artist that I like, and that is going to be. Nicole Gustafson, and if you want to look her up online, she goes by Nima Sprout, uh, and I'm just going to drop a link to her website as well so you guys can, like, click around while I'm talking. Um, but I'll try and describe everything. Uh, so, like, I love her art. I followed her for, like, a very long time. I was trying to, like, think of, like, where I had originally seen her, and I think it was from, like, Tumblr days, so it's been, like, a long time. It's been a minute. Uh, but it's cool. Yeah. It's been cool, though, to see, like, uh, like follow somebody for so long. And, like, I feel like her style has stayed, like, very consistent. It's just kind of, like, what she's drawn that's changed a lot. Um, so if I had to, like, kind of, like, describe things that make me think of her style, it's definitely, like, the color palette would be, like, the number one thing. A lot of, like, soft pastels and, like, gradients, like, feels like a sunset a lot of times. Like, those kind of, like, warm pinks and oranges and yellows and stuff. Um, and then uh, lots and lots and lots of detail. I, like, I love details you guys all know that but uh like she'll draw like a bush and like every single leaf is included and i love that very awesome like just like you just like sit there and like stare at everything and then i think like the thing she's most known for drawing like subject matter wise is kind of like cute animals um kind of like living in their own little like magical worlds kind of think like red wall or mouse guard maybe like, like secret fantasy. of nim where yeah, like, you know, like, they have their own little tiny world that they live in, like, they're all wearing cool little clothes and that kind of thing. Like, I remember she kind of, like, got, um, like, uh, I originally, like, saw her artwork when she was doing, like, commissions to, like, do your pet as, like, Dungeons and Dragons uh, character or whatever and that kind of thing. So, like, really cute kind of, like, fantasy, like, animals in, like, fantasy settings or, like, kind of, like, uh, she did a series where it's, like, taking different, like, uh, pieces of fruit and, like, imagining what animals, like, could make houses or little shops and things out of those and, like, really cool stuff. Uh, she's now like worked for Mondo and done a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, I have here, her Ratatouille like album cover that she did. That's and great. I think this one is like awesome, but you really need to, it, the, the one on the outside is like, I a purchased full, that one. It's like a full spread. Yeah. But then I the gave outside. it to my brother-in-law, but yes. Oh, I love it. Yeah. yeah. And it's got like the kitchen with like Remy cooking the soup. And then you see all the like ingredients on the table and they look super beautiful and delicious. And then the the inside is really like the best part. Yeah, that's where great. it's like the whole landscape of Paris uh, with like Remy looking over it, and you can see like Gusto's big in the foreground. I would buy a puzzle of this in like two seconds. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't do a love print that. of it, honestly. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I it's a great album anyway, so happy to have that. Um, and like she also did one for the Missing Link, uh, the Leica movie with Mondo. That's like a really cool album cover design. Uh, I can't remember if she's done posters for them. And Jedi was asking if she's done a tiki mug, which I can't. I I never saw it if she did, but I'm not as I don't follow the tiki uh, announcements as closely. It's totally uh, possible. She's running with the right group of people to have. Done yeah, one. exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, if you guys could find it, just let me know. I wasn't like aware of that necessarily. Yeah. I'm much more familiar with like. Um, all of her kind of like drawing stuff um, and that kind of thing. Oh, and one thing that's kind of like, I think unique about her is like, uh, you might look at it and assume that it's digital, but like almost all of her work is done traditionally with like gouache um, paint, which is like, if you're not familiar, it's like somewhere in between like acrylic paint and watercolors. Uh, most people find it like very fiddly to use. I only have like very minimal experience with it. Cause like, I like got some in my like art kit when I started like college and then I can use those and never use it again. <laughs> I, she did the Coco one as well. I, you can buy her original oh, painting nice. of Coco from the cover and the back cover on her webpage. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah she, it's also nice because she does like sell those originals and they're like freaking gorgeous because they look like like that thing just like maybe without the type or something like yeah. they're they're awesome i've collected like a few of hers i have like one original she did for like burger time in my kitchen and then i have like a princess bride one she did uh up on this wall over here uh, i'm just like a big fan of her stuff like i love how like i feel like she comes up with like a different angle a lot of times than you would think of for like her more like um like it was like these kind of like more um like Mondo style projects, like, or pop culture projects. Like it's not like, it's very different than what yeah. most people do. And then like her own stuff is, is also very unique uh, for sure. Like I, I, it feels like, like Redwall is definitely like the thing that it like reminds me the most of, but like, I feel like that little, like 
little creatures in their little world thing is like its own kind of like drawing genre in a way. But I, I love that kind of stuff. Like I talk about a lot how like something I admire a lot is like when illustrators can like convey a lot of a story with their illustration. And I think those ones she does of like her little animal guys in their environments are like so immersive and it's so fun to like look at all the little details and like what they're using, you know, to make uh, like the tiny version of whatever for the animals. And like, I just, I really enjoy how she like considers all this stuff and like all these little details, like just really impressive. Like I would, I would get frustrated drawing every single leaf I do sometimes, but like, I just, I, I think it looks so gorgeous. Yeah. She, she has some really great stickers too. If you go to her website where she use she utilizes um, the translucent uh, sticker, like a lot, yeah. like what I did yeah. with the Hatbox Ghost sticker or the um, mm-hmm. the the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man one, like where there's some translucence to like glass domes where you can see the shimmer or like a slight tint to it, but it's it's still yeah, kind of like a terrarium type yeah, thing. It's yeah, really cool. I love I love that style. I love that style. She does a sticker. lot of cool stuff with like crystals and like see through things and like waves and water and like paints them really realistically. So it's like really cool to see how she does that stuff. I I really, I've always like a fan of her stuff when I've seen her at conventions, I like walk away with like a pile of stuff. Like I can't resist because I just think it's like really cool. Like, and I, and I, I just think it stands out a lot. Like even just her color palette is not very typical. Uh, so like, I think it's like totally worth checking out. Um, if you're looking for some new artists and it's like a little, little different than the usual Mondo stuff, but she is in the crowd, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. Is that me now? We're just to me. Yeah. It's you, Andrew. Okay. So we're actually going to bookend this thing on like, uh, two, uh, like I'm going to take both of your categories. I'm going to mash them together because I'm talking about an artist that I absolutely love who is way into meat. And that is our friend <laughs> Nick Offerman, uh, our our good good friend Nick Offerman. I assume he'd be a friend of the show if he'd ever been on the show. So we're just going to call him a friend of the show. Um, good enough. Nick Offerman, as you know, who played famously Ron Swanson on Parks and Rec, and he's done a million other things. But he has written so many books. You know, he's a New York Times bestselling author, and I have all of his books. They're all fantastic. And specifically, I like to. I have a couple of his hard covers, but I also have all of his audiobooks. Um, I'm a big fan of audiobooks, especially when I'm, when I'm doing a lot of working out. I listen to books when I go on walks or runs. Um, and what's special about his audiobooks, every single one of them is read by him. So um, you, you get to hear him in his own voice read his words, and it's just absolutely phenomenal. But his newest book is called Where the Deer and the Antelope Play. The subtitle is the pastoral observations of one ignorant American who loves to walk outside. So that's, uh, that's the book. And the book is a, essentially this, um, this homage or this love letter to the agrarian philosophical lifestyle. Uh, and I was very unaware of what agrarian was. And so I'm going to give you a really, really basic, probably butchered, uh, rundown of what the agrarian lifestyle is, but it's essentially living in such a way that gives back to the land that is sustainable and that is, um, honoring the wilderness, honoring the wild, honoring, um, nature. Um, and that's really it. Like that's, that's at its core. That's, that's what it, that's what it is. Um, and, uh, he is a big, um, a big supporter of this. He, he had notably has, um, or admittedly has not always lived in that way, but this is essentially, um, all of these musings of at the beginning of the pandemic, um, he and his wife, uh, um, Megan Mullally. So if you're not familiar, he's married to Megan Mullally and who is from, who plays, uh, the sassy neighbor in Will and Grace. I can't remember her name right now. Um, but uh, they've been married Karen, for, right? for quite some time. What? Is it Karen? It might be Karen. Yeah. Her I think character's it actually name from Will and Grace? Yeah. yeah. I think I think you're right. Um, it's Tammy too, right? And she also plays Tammy too from, <laughs> from uh, Parks and Rec. So, uh, but the two of them... Um, at the, shortly after the, the pandemic, lots of, like everyone, right, their life got shut down, all of their work got shut down, um, and he had been signed on to write this new book. And um, so in the process of doing that, they decided to buy a motorhome, uh, an Airstream trailer, and spend a month driving around the country 
and living on the land, essentially. Uh, and so this is essentially the, the telling of that story with lots of little inserted musings from along the way. Um, he, mm -hmm. he gives a lot of quotes from some of his favorite authors that talk about the uh, the earth and our uh, our response to it and what our responsibility is to it. Um, but he does it all in these very, very comical, very well, he's very well spoken. In fact, there are two words, one that has been forgotten by the, um, by like general or like the popular uh, vernacular, and that is the word foment. Um, which is fantastic, right? To to foment would be to to create something, um, mm -hmm. and he uses it a lot in this book, and I love that. Um, so I'm I'm trying mm -hmm. to rem trying to remember to work it into my common uh, vernacular from week to week. But the other one is a word I can't remember right this second, um, and it's a word that does that doesn't even exist in the Webster's like the Merriam-Webster's dictionary. He had to go back and find it. Um, through some research, it's an old uh, maritime word um, that talks about like the robustness uh, and like vivacious flavorings of something. He uses it in response to um, some coffee that he's had on, on some of his travels and some of the places that he's been to get coffee. Um, and I can't, the word's escaping me right now, but um, the word has been lost to to the ages and he's wanting to bring it back. He actually even says it. I, I, I watched an interview or listened to an interview with him on this book and he talks about how it's his goal to bring that word back into, uh, to make it um, uh, acknowledged in the dictionary because it's such a profound word and it's a beautiful word and it's really rich and it really kind of tells a story in and of itself. So he uses it multiple times throughout the book. Uh, anything you know to be true about about uh, Nick Offerman comes through in uh, glorious Technicolor in this book. He is a brilliant, brilliant man. He is like the the driest, wittiest, uh, um, you know, satirist that like you've maybe read ever since like uh, um, what's the oh my gosh who wrote Tom uh, who wrote Mark Twain. Uh, oh, Twain. Mark, Mark Twain. Mark. Yeah, I was like, you, you, mean, like, Twain? you were gonna... <laughs> You're not going to believe this, but I think I know that one. Uh, he's he is he's like our modern day Mark Twain. Like someone, I've... please clip that. By the way, Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who's uh, who's the guy that that writes uh, under the name of Mark Twain? Oh yeah, yeah, uh, Mark Twain. Um, but he Twain. is. I I would I would argue uh, our modern day Mark Twain. He he's absolutely brilliant. Super funny, super witty. Um, he writes from a perspective that is well informed and also um, unpretentious, which I think is a very, very hard line to ride when you know a lot and you you tend to act like you know a lot, even when you don't know a lot. People still tend to act like they know a lot. He's one of those people who knows a lot but doesn't act that way, right? I mean, even you can hear it in the in the the titling, right? The pastoral observations of one ignorant American who loves to walk outside. Like he is, um, he is unapologetically himself, and uh, he's absolutely adorable. That's how I would. That's how I would denote it. Um, so, go get this book. He if also you, what. He reads his own audiobooks too, right? Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was saying. Like, that's why I own, even yeah. if I own his hardcovers, I also own his audiobooks because it's. I just think that them. that's like a, a huge thing that adds to audiobooks to me when the author actually reads it themselves. And especially when it's someone like him who has like an excellent voice. Like, I yes, think that's awesome. is, I, I could fall. Like, I, if he did, if he put out an album of ASMR, that would be what I would go to bed to every night, like for sure. <laughs> I yeah. I have like two authors that I also like, like all their audiobooks I have listened to, which is like Neil Gaiman and David Sedaris, because I think they just like are the best readers of their stuff. Like no one will ever beat it. <laughs> yeah, I, I own um, a couple of books from Kevin Hart and he reads his own books in there. And it's like having yeah. your own stand up special of Kevin Hart. And he also ad libs, which is interesting. I don't know that I don't know that Nick Offerman ad libs as much. Um, but, uh, yeah, anytime you can, you're listening to an audiobook, if you can have it read by the author, even better. Um, yeah. so 
Anyway, uh, go get this book if you're interested in the agrarian lifestyle because he does a really good job of, of describing what it is and laying laying out its like its platitudes and laying out its uh, it, its mantras and its you know its pillars of success. He does a good job of doing that. But then he if you, also if you're into like satire and um, just really um, honest musings uh, from somebody who who has lived a lot of life great for that. And then if you love Ron Swanson, this is essentially Ron Swanson's autobiography. Yep. So, yep. um, you can, you can check that out too. So, uh, Nick Offerman, where the deer and the antelope play, check it out. You will not be disappointed. Okay. I think that is all for this episode. I think we did it. It's a little bit shorter, but that's okay. Um, yeah. and, uh, I think we're going to call this one done. Do we have any, are we going to run any like polls or anything? Or are we just going to get out of this one? this time no let's let's just uh let's roll dice and do it yeah okay yeah. let's roll our dice uh for next week um i don't have mine out so someone else needs to go first uh i rolled first. a six too late and a two for present so six that's fine a six you got tv thank you you got tv i did mm -hmm. okay i got a four this week that is art again <laughs> uh and becca is with me and since she got me the dice i'm gonna have her roll them for me so yeah Pff, i got a one which is actually good because that means i can do whatever i want oh no that means, means you guys doesn't can that mean what i get for you and yes. a four so it's whatever i want or anytime i want and whatever you guys pick for me Oh, All I right. also got a four, which is funny because now I got the exact same categories this time. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start the poll now. Only one minute. You have one minute to vote. What does Andrew get for next week? This is it. One minute. If you want to I'll use for this it. one minute to remind everybody the drawing board will be Thursday at 7 p.m. with me and Doc. It's going to be great. Oh, yeah. And I'll use this uh, other moments to say that uh, we are drawing in celebration of the new uh, Rescue Rangers movie that comes out this Friday. We are drawing Rescue Rangers and posting together. It's not we're not drawing it live together, although I guess if some if enough people want to get together and draw, we can. But um, we're just going to post uh, all oh. of them together in celebration of the new movie on Friday when it comes out. So. Yeah. Get your little pencils. That's awesome. out. So yeah. on Friday you are posting whatever we're um, working on this. Like I'm working on my piece this week to post on Friday in celebration of Rescue Rangers. I think I'm going to cheat and post one I made earlier, but I since that's I have fine. Rescue Rangers piece, I think that's just the time. Yeah. I own I own that piece. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trivia is the winner with percent of the votes. Holy cow! Trivia is the clear winner. Yeah. Okay, Kreider, uh, you and I can, we can maybe get a band of people together and we can just hop on a call. We'll put information about it in Slack uh, and we'll, yeah. we'll draw some together. And we can do it in a platform that's more conducive to, to people working together and actually drawing. Um, no, thank you for the note about drawing board. I, I want to say uh, I will be disappointed if people do not show up because it's going to be really exciting. And and we I actually know you get to like make something together. I'm actually I'm super pumped. And you have to do some prep work, okay? But like we're asking a small amount of prep work. You have to drink a soda. You have to like you can even drink someone else's soda. Yeah, you could even you, get a soda can from the street. You just need a soda can. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you need a paintbrush. And what was the last thing? An, an exacto knife. knife. Make a trip to Walmart. You can get all these things at Walmart. You can get all these things. At, this is not hard to find. Think about how much effort we put into this. I mean, six or nine. And we're asking for a one from you. Okay? That's what we're asking for. What a, what a hard sell. Thanks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm going to be there with my can of soda. Okay. And Patrick, we would call it Band -Aids. Pop. Pop. Speaking yep. of pop, let's pop out of this episode. You can find us over at mof1.network where you can find show notes and links to all the stuff that we just talked about. Go buy some products. Go watch some things. Go read some books. We talked about all sorts of fun stuff. And then go to Disney with a magical attitude. That's all I'm asking. Um, that's what. That's the motto or that's that's the, uh, the moral of this episode is go to Disney with magic in your heart and you're already halfway there. 
Um, but while you're doing that, you can find uh, an archive full of hun- hundreds of other episodes with really incredible, talented artists, including uh, Patrick. Give an exhaustive list. That's all right. We'll do it. We'll add it in post. Um, but we uh, we have so many things out there. You can also rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us out so, so much. If you do uh, review the show, we will read it on air. Uh, we prefer five-star reviews, um, but we'll take whatever you got, honestly. Uh, we just like to hear from you guys. And speaking of hearing from you guys, join our Slack community. Go to mf1.network slash Slack and join the conversation in there with hundreds of other people day in and day out, uh, even night in and night out, because we've got some people who are overseas uh, who uh, who chatted up in the middle of the night. So um, there's always something for you, no matter what uh, skill level, what your interest is, we've got something going over in the Slack channels. But I think uh, for now, you can find us on our personal socials. I'm at Andrew Sale with threes instead of E's. I'm at Not Cool Co. everywhere. And I'm at Unpopular Disney Opinion. For that's good. For this episode, I'm Andrew. I'm Lauren. I'm Patrick. Peace out. Adios. Bye. Bye.